Oh, those graphics. Those graphics. Whoa. That's that next level. So what up, Excel? I feel you. Hey, um, real quick, just a couple announcements. Make sure you guys are aware. Um, last uh, couple weeks ago, we had our last small group for the semester. So there's no small groups for the rest of this year, for the remainder of this month. We will kick back up in the beginning of February, all right? So no small groups. So if you show up tomorrow night, it'll be locked. Um, and so you're out of luck. So please remember that, no small groups. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that you are not allowed to hang out with each other. I encourage you, go ice skating together, go get some hot chocolate, go do, hang out, go to each other's houses, get to know each other a little bit better. There is nothing stopping you guys from hanging out. But how many appreciate your leaders, your small group leaders? So uh, they need a break, right? So we try to give them a break so they don't murder you. I mean, um, stop being your leaders. And so we want to make sure that we give our small group leaders an opportunity to get a breather, to recalibrate, to refocus on what God is calling them to do and how he's calling them to do it. And then we jump right back in in the next semester. So just wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of that. Also, um, mark your calendars, December 22nd. That's a Sunday. We're having a special service here at Belmont. We want to encourage you all to come out. Bring your families. Bring your friends. It's a great opportunity to receive the greatest gift, which is the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so we want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to do that. I was uh, so blown away for those of you who came to share the love and the grub a couple weeks ago of what God was doing. Um, so many of your parents saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Many of them after years of prayer. Uh, I mean, it just got me pumped. And, and just to give you a heads up, that was not planned by us. I, I believe God planned it. But that was not in our agenda. That's not in our outline or what we thought we were going to do. Uh, it just seemed like that's where the Holy Spirit was leading. And we trusted and we followed it. And God showed us why. And I'm just so overwhelmed and excited about that. And so we want to make sure that God gets the glory for that. But uh, we're grateful for all that was going down. Now, I had mentioned Christmas. How many of you guys are geek for Christmas? Anybody here still excited about Christmas? How many of y'all know you're getting something good? Just show your hands. You're like, man, I know I'm getting something good, right? How many of you are like, man, I'm at that age, they give me socks and I'm happy. Like, yo, socks are what's up, right? I'm, I'm at that age where I'm just happy if I get some money. Don't even try to pick a gift out for me. Just give me money and I'll buy my own thing, okay? So we all have these different experiences. But I remember, it's funny, when you're older, Christmas becomes a little different, right? It's not about you anymore. Nobody cares about you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll just say this uh, right now. This will obviously be my first Christmas with my daughter. Josie will be here for Christmas. Pray for Cicely. She's at home because y'all way too sick. Too many of the people in this room are sick, and we ain't trying to get her sick. But um, this baby's coming, like, in a week. So uh, she's, like, about to, like, go. Um, but... But I know her arrival means my gifts go, right? Like, because now it's all about her. Nobody cares about me. Nobody talks. It's all about her presence. And so one of the things I think about is when we get together with our family and all the nieces and nephews, the grandkids get together and they're exchanging gifts. And you were there one time, right? When uh, another family, maybe your aunt or your uncle, they give you a present and you open it, good or bad, right? What do your parents say to you right after that? Right? It's the same thing. They go, hey, what do you say? And you're like, thank you. Gracias. <laughs> go give him a hug and a kiss. She got a mustache. I don't try to kiss 
You know what I mean? But you go and you give them a hug, you give them a kiss, right? And that's the thing. And you hear that all the time. All the time. I feel like I got to get used to saying that. Josie, what do you say? Thank you. Go say thank you. Oh, she's shy. Go say thank you, right? Like that's what they're trained to say. Now, we train our children, and you were trained to say that, and we grow up with this attitude of, of making sure that we say thank you. Even if it's just like, you know, the waiter comes, gives you some water, hey, thank you. Like, right, we're, we're nice, we're polite. And if you're on the other end and you don't get a thank you, right, like y'all know how I get mad when I'm driving and they don't give me the thank you. If you don't give me the little thank you wave when I let you in, there's like a part of me that wants to go and pull you over and cut you off and be like, no more for you, right, because you don't deserve it. We're accustomed to making sure that we show gratitude, that we say thank you. The problem is sometimes we forget that lesson when it comes to our relationship with God. Sometimes we have these amazing experiences with God. Sometimes we have these powerful moments with God, and we forget to say thank you. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17. And I want to walk you through this story a little bit. Luke chapter 17, this is Jesus as he was walking. He has this unbelievable encounter. And I want you to notice how people react in this. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11. I'm going to read the whole story and then we're going to break it down. 11 to 19. It says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Let me pause right there. In Galilee lived the Jews. In Samaria lived the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans are what you considered half-bloods. They were half-breeds. They were part Jewish, part Gentile, which was anything that's not Jewish. So, for whatever reason, in that area, over centuries, there had been some breeding of cultures and cross-cultures, and they became half-breeds. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, the Jewish people are told to remain holy and to stay pure. In other words, you can only be with Jewish people. We have to keep the Jewish line intact. And so, as a result... Jewish people could not stand Samaritans. This was genuine racism at this point. The racism at this point was so heavy that customarily, if for whatever reason they ever walked through Samaria, before they would go into Galilee, they would take their shoes off and knock all the dirt off of it so not to bring any dirt from Samaria into Galilee. Like that's how much they hated them, right? And so they didn't have anything to do with them. They, they would just they didn't consider them Jewish at all. They were just, if you ever seen like Harry Potter, they were the mugbloods who everyone disdained for, right? And so they had this immense hatred. And the Bible says that Jesus is walking along the road in between those two areas. All right, next verse. It says, as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Now, again, let me pause right there. You've heard me talk about leprosy before, but in case you're new here, leprosy is a, a flesh-eating disease. It would continually eat away. Your flesh would fall off. Your limbs would fall off. Your nails would fall off. And on top of that, it was highly, highly contagious. Because it was so contagious, those who had leprosy were pushed outside of the town and were forced to live on the outskirts of the town and not allowed to have any contact with people. As a matter of fact, if they were walking around anywhere where there might be people who don't have leprosy, they were supposed to yell out, unclean, unclean, as a warning, get away, I'm coming by you. Right? Talk about isolated. Going on to the next verse, verse 14. He looked at them and said, 
go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Next. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Remember, there was uh, uh, in between the two areas. So this group of ten had a mix of Samaritans and Jews. And out of the ten people who got healed, one man, a Samaritan, not even a people of God, but a Samaritan comes back. Verse 17. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Can I just pause there and, and let you see that Jesus notices? He doesn't not notice these things. He's not like ignoring it. He goes, hold up, you came back to say thank you. What happened to the other nine? Verse 18, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? He's not even from my people. He's not even a, a Jew, and yet he's the only one that came back. Verse 19, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I want to break this down into a few things. And if you're taking notes, the number one thing I want you to write down, the first thing we want to look at, is the fact that these ten men had what I would call shared pain. Shared pain. Think about this. I just told you that Jews and Samaritans had absolutely no association with each other whatsoever. Right? That a Jew would go the long way as to not have to cross through Samaria to not have any contact with them. There was no way they would ever be connected. And yet, here they are intermingling. Why? Because of a shared pain. Because regardless of their culture, they were all sick. They had leprosy. Think about it like this. When you are encountering some serious issues, petty stuff goes away. You don't worry about the petty things anymore, right? They're all sick. Their limbs are falling off. Their flesh is decaying. They don't care what their cultural background is. They don't care what their skin color looks like, okay? Same thing like if you got a racist in the middle of a war, if he's in a war, he's like, yo, listen, I don't care if black, white, Asian, brown, whatever. I, we're in this together now, and pettiness starts to go away. What brings so many different types of students in this room together. Well, part of it is shared pain. We're able to connect with each other oftentimes through our pain. See, you don't always have to know somebody's name to know their pain because you have your own. And you're able to associate with them on a certain level because you get what they're going through. Some of you who've grown up without a parent in your life, you understand what that's like more so than anybody else. And so when you encounter somebody else who has gone through that, you bond on that nature. It's not saying that it's necessarily good, but there's a connection to be made as a result of your shared pain. Now, sometimes we take this to the extreme, right? Do you ever find that, that people with issues find other people with the same issues and then they, they, they set up issue camp and they just live in this you know what I'm talking about? Like depressed people find depressed people. Angry people find angry people. Uh, hurt people find hurt people. Smelly people find smelly people, I guess. I'm just saying they don't notice each other's issues because they have that shared pain. And sometimes it goes in the negative because, hey, listen, I don't feel as bad because, you know, we all suck, right? It's like that one meme. You got that, John? It's like Toy Story, right? Sometimes you just find that person and you're like, you're just like me, 
trash. <laughs> right? Like we all suck together. And I don't feel as bad because you smell as bad as I smell. <laughs> sometimes it goes to an extreme. But listen, sometimes that's just what's needed. Some of you wonder or have struggled with the idea of why God would have allowed that pain to happen in your life. God, why did you make me grow up without a dad? God, why did you allow me to be assaulted when I was such a young child? God, why did you allow me to, to have this situation happen to me? God, why did you split my parents? God, why did you uh, allow me to go through this? And, and we struggle with it so much so that sometimes we get angry with God about it. But what we fail to understand is oftentimes people are not able to see God until they see you and they see you because they see the common pain between you two. See... There's a hurting world that we live in who would never understand that there is a healing God if he hasn't seen him heal someone like them. When it happens to you and you find strength in God, then what people start to say, well, if he could do it for you, maybe he could do it for me. Are you telling me you went through the same thing I did? Yeah. And you're not struggling the way I'm struggling? No. What's different? And when you can say Jesus, that's where that commonality comes in. Shared pain often comes with being able to go to God together. Listen, in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 through 10 says this, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Sometimes we struggle in pain as a believer. Listen, all of you as believers, those of you who are serious about trying to grow in your relationship with God, you understand the difficulty and the pain that comes from living in a world that is not trying to do that. From going to a school filled with people who laugh at you because of that, who think you're stupid because of that, I'm not going to be dumb about it. I understand that that hurts. That it hurts to feel like you don't fit in with everybody else because God has called you to be different. That it hurts when people laugh at you or make fun of you because you're holding and, and keeping yourself for marriage when nobody else is. Because sometimes you feel like you're on this island all alone. But listen, your pain is shared with believers all over the world. This is why we have a youth group, right? So that you can understand that, yeah, you might feel like you're the only one in your school or you might feel like you're the only one in your grade, but you're not the only one in this world. That there are other people just like you who are suffering the same pain that you are. And there's strength to be found in that. To know that I'm not in this by myself. Sometimes you'll have a good day, I'll have a bad one. Sometimes I'll have a bad day and it, and it flips but there's strength in knowing we're going through it together, right? They say misery loves company. <laughs> now, sometimes that's looked at in a bad way. But in this context, if we're suffering because of Christ, well, at least we're not suffering alone. And I'm telling you, when I was in youth ministry, I remember I had a friend of mine that was a couple years older. I would see him living righteously for God. Right? This guy was very handsome, was on all the sports teams. All the girls were always crushing on him and, and all this other stuff. He's somebody that I really admired. And I saw him marry his, his first girlfriend and save himself for marriage. And I remember thinking, if a guy like that with options, I didn't even feel like I had, I didn't even feel like I had options. He had options. 
if he can keep it together, then I can. If he can live right for God, it encouraged me that I can. Right? Sometimes our shared struggle, our shared pain is important to push us together, to move together. Now, here's the problem in youth group especially. But in general, when it comes to teenagers, we don't like to share pain. We like to put up a front that we're pain-free, that everything is great, nothing bad's going on. We put up the best pictures. We post the best things. You know, everything is, is great. And when people ask you, hey, man, are you okay? Yeah. Hey, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. You want to talk about it? No. And on the inside, you're like, <laughs> my dog just died, yo. You want to talk about it? No, I'm fine. We're so used to saying I'm fine that we don't know how to say anything else. And if you were willing to be open about the fact that, yes, I'm struggling with this. Yes, I really want to live a way that God called me to live, but I'm having a hard time doing it. Then somebody else in the room could say, so am I. But we can struggle together. That we don't have to go through this alone. And on top of it, it's not just that you and I share this pain. It's that Christ shares it with us. Listen, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says, Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus is able to help us. Why? Because he went through suffering and testing himself. Right? If, if God was this high, lofty God that never experienced pain, that never experienced suffering, it would be hard to feel connected to him because we look at God and say, you just don't get it. You don't understand what it's like to be mortal. But the fact that Jesus Christ, being God himself, came to this earth and lived as a man, born in a manger, born in the ghetto, born in poverty, suffering, struggling, being beaten and ultimately crucified. He goes, no, I get everything you've gone through. There's nothing in this world that anyone has gone through that Christ hasn't experienced because the Bible tells us that he experienced all that pain on the cross. He knows exactly what you're going through. He experienced it before you did. And because of that, he can have that connection with you. He can relate with you. And he can help you when you're being tested. You look at these lepers that had shared pain and that shared pain brought them together. And because they were together, they were able to have a shared experience. If you're taking notes, number two is shared experience. What do I mean by that? Well, the thing I love about this group is we're able to do things together. Right? Just a couple of weeks ago, we had back-to-back -back shared experiences. We all went to momentum together. We all went to share the love and the grub together. We were able to witness God do incredible things together. Think about this with the ten lepers. The Jesus says, go to the priests. Right now, understand contextually what's going on. If there was ever a healing, Jewish people were supposed to go to the priest, and the priest was the one who would verify the miracle. The priest was the one to declare them clean or unclean. So it couldn't just be a person with leprosy who's like, hey, yo, I don't have leprosy anymore. And everyone's like, hey, they said they don't have it anymore. Cool, let's take their word for it, right? This is a literal death sentence. And so we're not just going to take your word for it. And they didn't have like a professional clinic or anything. So you would go to the priest and the priest would check them and he would verify if they were healed or if they still had leprosy. And so Jesus tells them, go to the priest. Now think about this. They're not healed yet, 
right? He tells them, go to the priest, and they're like, for what? So they can kick me out and laugh at me? But the Bible says that as they were walking, their leprosy began to fall off. Now, again, think about this. They're walking together. The ten of them are going together. They're watching each other, and they're going, dude, your leprosy's falling off. And he's like, bro, your leprosy's falling off. And it's like, no, are you for real? They didn't have mirrors. They're like, are you serious? Like, this is happening? And together, they are witnessing a literal miracle in motion. This is unbelievable. Right, this is so incredibly powerful. Could you imagine the excitement? Could you imagine how geek they're getting, how, how, uh, how enthusiastic they're getting? They're jumping up and down. They're celebrating. They're, they're cheering each other on. They're probably crying. This is amazing. They had a shared experience. And sometimes it's those shared experiences that just galvanates what God is trying to do. That's why those momentum and, and spring breakaway and camps, that's why all of those are so powerful. It's because it's not only that you had an experience, it's that we had an experience. Like we saw that together. I was able to hear your story. We were able to be there together. I saw when God did that in your life. I was thinking back to uh, the camp I did last year. And I remember uh, I told you guys a story about a young man who uh, had scoliosis, and we were praying for him at the altar, and God healed his back and made his crooked back straight. And this was unbelievable. It was insane. It was such a cool moment. But what made it even cooler was the shared experience. See, I wasn't the only one praying for this young man. There was two other students who were praying for him, and one actually later on he told his, his pastor that when he was praying for him, he had his hand on his back, and he said, I began to feel this incredible heat on my hand. I felt like my hand was starting to burn, and I got scared, and I wanted to pull my hand off, but God told me to keep my hand there, and it freaked me out. I, I believe it was literally the power of God was starting to transfer through his hand and begin to heal this kid's back. This was incredible, right? And I remember in that moment as we're at the altar call and, and, I, and I'm talking to this kid and we're all in the room. I remember for a moment I stopped looking at the kid who had his back healed. And I looked at the two other students who were praying for him. And I said, you can never deny what God has done in this moment. You can never pretend like you didn't see it. You have seen it with your own eyes. This isn't a story you're hearing. It's not like all of you that are hearing it secondhand. You have seen this now with your own eyes. You will never in your life be able to deny what God has done. See, that's the power behind the shared experience is it doesn't have to happen to you. We shared that experience. I saw what God did in your life. Sometimes we're like, well, I never really gone through it. I didn't have my back healed. I didn't, but it, just seeing it is enough. Right? Think about it like when you're telling stories, like there was a fight at school, right? And you're like, yeah, and then he hit her and she punched him and da da da. And they're like, who told you that? And then you go, this is when it's great. This is when you drop the bomb in the story. Who told you that? You're like, Psh, I was there. I love dropping that bomb. Like, what do you mean who told me? I was there. Oh, you were there? Bro, I was right there. I snuck in a little punch myself. Right? It's just different. Why? Because I really saw it. These ten lepers had this unbelievable experience together. Matthew 15, 30 through 31 says, A vast crowd brought to him people who were blind, lame, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see again. 
and they praised the God of Israel. Why? Because of what they saw. Because they had a shared experience. This is why I love what we get to do together. This is why we push you guys to go to these events. Because listen, God may not do that to you, right? God may not specifically heal your back. But just being in the room is enough to change your life. Some, some of you, listen, you're on that bus and you were sharing your testimonies. And listen, your testimony in your eyes might not have been this insane thing. But just hearing what God did in somebody else is enough for you to go, wow, God's good. Why did they praise the God of Israel? Because of all they had heard and seen. Because of the shared experience. That's why I love making sure that we take time to hear testimonies on the way back. Because I want us to make sure we all see the shared experience we had. Because sometimes in the middle of the event, it's loud and things are going on. You don't really understand what God is doing. But when you share that testimony, when you hear that backstory, when you understand the impact of what's going on, sometimes there's nothing you can do but say, wow, God is good. Man, God, you're amazing. But then here's the problem. We have this shared experience. Sometimes we are part of this shared experience. We're a part of that healing miracle. We're a part of that witnessing miracle. We, we say yes to Jesus ourselves. We, we have this shared experience, just like the ten lepers who were walking towards the priests. But only one of those had the wherewithal to say, wait, I got to go back and say thank you. Wait, 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 guys. I, I wonder, the Bible doesn't say, but I wonder if he tried to convince everybody else. I wonder if he said, hey, guys, guys, before we go to the priest, let's, let's go back to that man. The, the guy who heals us. Let's, let's go back to the master. Remember, they called him master. Let's go back to the master. Come on, where are you going? Let's, I know we're going to get there. We have time. We, we're healed now. Let's go back. Let's, let's say thank you. I wonder how many excuses the rest of them had. Nah, nah, man, I want to get back to my family. I, I haven't seen my family in a long time. I've just been out. Nah, bro, I got a girl. She's been waiting on me, and I, I got to get back. And no, nah, dude, I got stuff, you know, like my house. I got to see if it's still there. They probably stole it. Like, there's just stuff going on, man. I'm busy. No, nah, I want to get to the priest. I want to make sure that this is for real. I, I want to keep, I finally got healed. I want to live my life. I want to do my thing. Listen, we do that. Right? We have this experience with God. God sets you free. You're at this altar. You're crying. You're boogers. You're <laughs> good. And, and we're, you're like, man, I just feel like there was this freedom. And God did this thing. And, oh, that's awesome. And then we don't see you for six months. We had over 100-some people at Momentum. We don't have that many in this room right now. Where are the other nine? Where'd they go? Oh, you know, I've got to go Christmas shopping. My family wanted to go see the tree and, man, you know, da-da-da. We have these unbelievable experiences with God. And we go, peace, now I'm going to live my life. Appreciate it, but now I'm going to go do my thing. Now that I don't have this depression over me, I'm going to go live my life. Now that I don't feel insecure anymore, I'm going to go live my life. I appreciate what you did, God, but I was only looking for a healing. I wasn't looking for a relationship. I was only looking to get something out of this. I wasn't looking to get into anything. Hey, hey, God, I appreciate it, but I didn't want anything serious. All right, think about that. Think about how we would feel. 
If someone of the opposite sex that you think is really interested, that you think really likes you, who's saying all the right things, who does all the right things, who, who makes a big show of everything, and, and when you finally open up to them and you're like, yeah, man, I'm ready, like, yeah, you know. I mean, you're cool and all. I just I wasn't trying to get serious, you know. I was just kind of wanted to make out with you. <laughs> and uh, I'm good now. I'm just, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm not ready. I'm looking for a long-term commitment. I'm not, and you're like, dude, you'll be so salty. Some of you go beyond salty. Some of you go straight murderous. Like, oh, that's cool, but you don't have your whole life ahead of you anymore, you know. Like some of you would, would go to the full extreme on it. And yet we do that to Jesus. God, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it was really cool what you did for that person. That was dope. That was nice. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just I really want to make this uh, career, and so um, I just got to focus on me right now. But when I get older, I'll get serious about you. You know, when I, when I move along, I'll get serious about you. See, we have shared experience, but it's important to have an individual response. If you're taking notes, number three is do you have an individual response? See, we can have shared experience. The Bible says that each of us, not all of us, each of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each man may receive what's due to him according to what he has done while in the body, whether it's good or bad. In other words, you are going to stand by yourself before God one day as an individual. I would much rather go by myself to the Lord today than wait for judgment day. So that when I do stand before him, it's not like, what's your name? Joey? Silva? Sylvia? Silva. Are you Indian? No, sorry. Nope. Name's not in the book. I don't know you. There's a lot of you that are going to show up one day thinking God knows you. Saying, oh, you were one of those nine that never came back. You're one of those nine that, that just took and never gave. You, you, you took and you just dipped out. And you expect me to know you? I don't know you. I knew you, but I don't know you. We got to be careful to make sure that we bring God an individual response. That it's not enough to have a shared experience, but we have to come back to Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7 says, and now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let me pause right there. Look at how important that sentence is. Because some of us stop at accepting Christ Jesus as Lord. Some of us stop with coming up to this altar one time, crying, saying that prayer that I said, repeating after me, and going, okay, that's good. But listen to what he says. After you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Now, why would he warn you or remind you to continue to follow him if the Bible doesn't understand that there's going to be a tendency for you to want to stop following him after you get what you want? We, we think that God's just here to bound our wounds. But God's saying, no, 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 no. I want to heal you, and then I want to be with you. This isn't just something I'm doing for you, right? It's like when I was a kid and <laughs> my dad had uh, brought this old dresser. Right? Like, I just bought Josie a brand new dresser because I ain't about that life anymore. But when I was a kid, I remember my dad pulled up in an alley. Me and my friend were hanging out. And he said, hey, I saw a dresser two alleys down. Go pick it up. And I'm like, man, I 
I ain't digging no garbage can again. And he's like, go. So I'm like, come on, we got to go pick it up. You ever think it's funny how your friend, you always got to do what their parents want to? I don't know why my friend went with me, but he's like, okay, we got to go pick it up. So my friend, we go, we go two alleys down. Literally, we're picking up the trash, and one of my buddies comes through the gangway. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, taking your trash. <laughs> you, you don't want this, right? He's like, no, it's just weird. You're digging through my trash. I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know? And I walk it back to my house, and my dad gives me sandpaper and paint thinner, and he has me working on it for like two and a half days, right? Like I'm half high off the chemicals and stuff like that. I'm sanding it. I get it all down stripped. I repaint it, give it three or four coats. I mean, it's looking pristine. And then he goes, so do you want to put that in my room or in your room? I'm like, what you mean? This is mine, bro. I put in the work. I gave everything to make sure that this was restored back to what it was supposed to look like. I'm not giving it away. Listen, God took you from an alley, jacked up, thrown away. He stripped you down and he restored you to what you were meant to be. Not to give you away or to watch somebody else enjoy the fruits of what he did. But to say, now you are in my home. Now I want you to belong to me. We have been called to follow him. And then that verse goes on to say, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, now leave that up there. The end result is thankfulness. Can I be transparent with everybody tonight? You guys good with that? I don't really care if you say yes or no, I'm going to do it anyways. But it's nice to know that you're with me. If I can be very genuine, your worship lacks thankfulness. I was watching during the service, and I've been watching for most weeks. Now, listen, if you're new, I ain't talking about you, right? Please don't feel bad. I ain't trying to put you on blast. I'm talking about the person who was like your parents got married at this church and you've been raised up here your whole life. And I'm watching worship, and this is what I see. The worship team is singing their heart out, and you're doing this. Hold on, hold on. Man, you are so thankful. <laughs> right? I'm not saying it as a respect thing. It says more about you than it does about anything else. Because, listen, when, if you could put that verse back up. When you let your roots grow down into Jesus and you let your lives be built on him, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. The problem isn't that you're not thankful. It's maybe that your roots aren't going down into him. Maybe your life isn't built on him. Maybe your faith isn't strong. Maybe you're not accepting the truth you were taught. But you're not overflowing with thankfulness. Maybe you're not where you think you are spiritually. Because a lot of us think, well, I've been here six months, so... So what? I mean, I can go to every Cubs game. It doesn't make me a pitcher. Doesn't mean I'm on the team. Just because I'm there doesn't mean much. We used to laugh, bro, you're on the football team, right? You know who's the worst one on the team? Cleanest uniform. Buddy with the cleanest uniform. I used to tell the dude, I was like, bro, you should just, like, roll in the mud or something. Like, get some scrap on you, bro. You know, like, look like you got in the game. <laughs> but listen, some of us. Clean uniforms. We're not involved. We're not pressing in. And I'm not talking about church. I'm just talking about your personal relationship with God. 
you come here, but there's no thankfulness in your worship because there's no thankfulness in your heart. You can really care, take it or leave it. It's not a big thing. You're like me. You got older and you got used to it. And you forgot that everything you have comes from the Lord. That if you were truly thankful, it would overflow from you. If you were truly thankful, we couldn't stop you from worshiping God. If you were truly thankful, you would run at it. Listen, I was, I was at Momentum. You guys were there. Don't you think it's funny? You see the kids who are truly worshipers and the ones who are not. And oftentimes the ones who are not are those little kids who run to the front. You ever notice that? The little kids who run to the front. And they run to the front. This is what they do. Let's say this is the front. They run and then they do this the whole time. No hands up. No, They're just like looking at the singer. And I know because I talk to the singers, they're like, yo, those people are awkward. Because they're just like trying to touch their feet all weird like. Why did they run to the altar? Just to go to the front. They weren't worse. They're not like excited. There was one kid in one of my friend's youth group. He was getting, they were doing the altar call. And literally he got up on the side like he was in a race. Like he like lined up in the, in the blocks. And she's like, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting ready to go to the altar. You didn't even know what the altar call was for. Sit down. I just, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Listen, it's not about where you position your body. It's where about where your heart has been positioned. And if your heart is positioned in him, worship will come out. And if worship doesn't come out, something has clogged that flow. It might be a bad attitude. It might be sin in your life that you're not dealing with that is stopping you from being able to be free in your worship. It might be your own stupid self-consciousness. I don't want people to think I'm weird. What? This God died for you. And you're worried about what somebody else thinks? Who cares what anybody in this room thinks? And listen, if you care about what people in this room think, I guarantee you you're not going to live a Christian when you're not in this room. Because at least the people in this room want you to worship. But if you're too cool for school, if you're just in there like, oh, man, it's just not how I, I'm just not that kind of person. Baloney. Don't tell me you're not that kind of person because everybody worships something. It might be a sports game for you. It, it, it might be a, a television show. Listen, if y'all would worship God the way you worship TikTok, we couldn't shut the church down. But you would rather watch someone dance than dance before God. Right? Can I be real? You would. I saw it. All momentum. You're just sitting there watching people dance. Right? You're like 12 years old watching a 45-year-old watch you. It's kind of creepy, by the way. Like, my daughter will never have that app. That is just scary. <laughs> but it would amaze me how you would rather sit for hours watching somebody worship something else than allow the Lord to see you worship him. Than to put it down and say, you know what, I don't want to see somebody else dance. Lord, I want to dance for you. I don't want to see somebody else acting goofy. Lord, I want to lift up my heart to you. This is my time for you. And so here's how we're going to close out. I'm going to ask you to stand and worship team, if you can help me out. Tonight, I'm calling out the believers in this room. If you're not a believer, please don't feel this is obligated for you. But from those of you in this room who consider yourself a born-again Christian, for those in this room who have had the shared experience, 
from those in this room who have had shared pain connected with each other. Those who call this their home. I'm going to call you up because it's time for our worship to reflect our experience. Stop being so passive with it. I'm giving you permission to be passionate. Now, I'm not saying get out of control. Don't start like, you know, fly kicking people in this room and, we ain't that kind of church. We're not going to run up and down and, and throw you in the drum cage and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm talking to the worshiper, man. Tonight I want to take, listen, just five minutes. Five minutes where I'm going to say, God, right now I'm going to give these next five minutes to you. And don't be embarrassed. Like I said, some of you, you'll put the camera up and you'll do your little thing for millions of people to watch you. I'm saying, are you willing to give glory for an audience of one? To stand before the Lord and say, man, I'm just going to do what's right. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to cry out. I'm going I'm to do what I need to do because I want you to know that I'm thankful. I don't want to be like the other nine who stayed at their seat. I want to be the one who came back to you, who said you're worth worshiping. So here's what I want you to do again. Close your eyes. I'm talking to the believers. If you don't consider yourself a Christian, if you're still new to this, if you're just checking this out with some friends, please don't feel obligated. You're totally welcome to stay where you are. No one's going to think anything bad about you. But believer, Christian, it's time for us to unleash thankfulness. To really be excited. Listen, yeah, we got issues. Yeah, we got problems. But God has done more good than any bad that's happened. And so I want to invite you in a moment to come and join me at this altar. But before you do, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think, what are you worshiping him for? I mean, bottom line, we got salvation. So if nothing else, everybody's got that. But what about what's personal to you? What's God healed in you? What's God helped you through? What's God opened your eyes to? What's God changed in your life? What shared experiences have you had? What have you seen God do in a way that has changed you forever? How do you know that you know that you know that he deserves to be worshipped and praised? And so I want to ask you, take the hoodie off. Lift your hands up. Stop talking and take five minutes to say, God, I want to take these five minutes to share my heart with you. And I don't care who's in the room, because as I lift up my hands, it's just me and you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, God. And Lord, we thank you for this reminder. And God, I'm sorry for those times that we've walked in this room as just another day. Lord, I'm sorry for those moments where we've just gotten used to you and we've drifted away from our worship for you. We, we stopped realizing how wonderful you are and how great you are. We, we started thinking we deserve this and, and somehow we earned this. But Lord, I'm thankful that you've humbled us tonight, God. That you reminded us that everything we've received from you was from your grace, was from your mercy. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it. Just like those ten lepers they didn't earn their healing. They didn't deserve to be healed. And yet in your mercy and grace, you healed them. But only one came back and said, thank you. Lord, I pray that we would always be like that one. That we would always remember to come back to Jesus. That every time he helps us through something, every time he takes us to the next level, every time he does something powerful in our lives, Lord, help us to always come back to you. 
to not just say thank you, but to say I'm yours. I'm here to be with you, God. I'm not in this for what you did for me because you've already done more than enough. I'm in this because of who you are to me. You're my God. You're my Savior. You're my Master. And so, Lord, I just pray, help us to always have an attitude of gratitude to keep you first and to worship you as you deserve. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Now listen, before you leave, let me just give you this one challenge. Next Thursday when we have service, can we start worship like that? Let's not wait until that right song kicks in, until, you know, you get through it. The Bible says, enter in his gates with thanksgiving. We need to set our hearts right before we come. Now, listen, for some of us, that will happen during pre-service prayer. So I encourage you, come to pre-service prayer. Get your heart right then so that when we enter into his gates and it's time to worship, it's at this level. And then from here, we can go higher. Don't allow yourself, especially those of you in this room, God's called you to lead. Lead them into his worship. Do what God's called you to do in that sense. Amen. God bless you. We love you. One last thing, please. Pray for Josie, my wife. Uh, hopefully we're here next week, but if not, we'll have a guest with you. We'll have, uh, unless her water breaks mid-sermon, then I might be like, hey, we're going to worship for another 30 minutes, and I'm going to leave. Uh, but just pray for us that, that it will be healthy, uh, that baby will be healthy, that the pregnancy, the delivery will go smooth. We would really appreciate you. Because here's our heart. When we get to present Josie on Sunday in the church, you know how friends and family come up? We want our whole youth group to come up with us. We want all of you with us to help present our daughter. So we need your prayers now to make sure that everything goes all right. Amen? God bless you. We love you. We'll see you in a little bit.